Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 79. What an odd number that is. One more episode, I have 80... 80 podcasts talking about fucking Guns N' Roses. And all you listening, I wouldn't be doing this if it was just, you know, me listening or my buddies listening, but just uh, the continued messages from uh, not just throughout the great state, uh, the great state of New York or this this country or this around the world. It's just been a, uh, a pleasure. Um, and I, I guess I have to start off by, by thanking, because the reason I've been able to get to 79 episodes I think some people may be upset. I think it's in part a little bit to AlternativeNation.net, who uh, you know, if you don't, if you haven't noticed, I either thank them for, or, or I should say, brought to you by, and I play the shotgun news thing. But I didn't know what my goals would be or what to expect when I started this podcast 79 episodes ago. But it definitely hit a, a goal, attainable goal, and made me really just proud of what I could do outside of FM. And that's when we interviewed Dave Kushner. That was a moment, yes. But to have that interview be then transcribed by one Brett Buchanan. Oh, wait, hold on, Brett. I, before I get to you, I think I need to properly introduce you. So I got you to your own theme music. As my theme music is written by uh, Mike Squires, I forget the composer who did this. Brett Buchanan. <laughs> I'm Darth Buchanan, the clickbait master. <laughs> yeah, Brandon, uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. But you said this is the 79th episode. I really wish it was the 69th episode, but uh, it definitely is in my heart. Oh, well, you know what? I, I think we can still say that because uh, when we did episode 69, I forgot who it was, but I, I made sure that I put this soundbite in there. 69. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. You that up. Yeah, no, it's uh it's been an interesting ride, you know, starting it out with 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 Scotto and you know, getting bigger and better interviews, more creative interviews, and I've had fun with these sound bites and you're somebody who kind of recognized the show at the beginning when I really didn't know what it was going to be. And I guess we could start there. Well, you know what? We're going to I'm going to kind of put a pin in it there because you're you're a part of this episode now. And I want to get to kind of where our paths cross. And I kind of want to meet the man behind the Vader. And I think we all do a little bit because I, I think a lot of people are, are hate listening right now. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I, I don't think – I, I, I wish, but I don't think a lot of people are listening because I'm not famous enough. So I have to apologize in advance for the low download numbers. <laughs> Hey, you know, we had, um, and I think he'll understand it and he'll, uh, you know, under, yeah, we'll respect where I'm coming from. But Josh Lewis, our last episode, who I guess in real time I only spoke to an hour ago, albeit last episode, 
Uh, he's not a famous name. I mean, he was the original guitarist for 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 Warrant before they made it big. Uh, he was on season one of uh, VH1's um, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. It's not like it's The Bachelor that you you know, but he has a great story. So w- since we got to know each other, I think you have a really cool story. And of course, there are Guns N' Roses ties into it, which is why you're here. So this isn't just me, you know, uh, us scratching each other's backs or whatever kind of thing. But I think you've had a really a lot of cool stories that I'm like, you know what? I want him to share these on another platform. So we'll get to that. But since you know you're officially part of the AFD show now, that means you're going to be officially part of news. Brought to you by AlternativeNation.net, sure. Uh, and a lot of these news stories may have been picked up by you. I'm sure they were. You break a lot of news, which I don't think uh, the people might not want to give you credit for. Uh, but Slash did an interview. Well, I guess he didn't break this one, but it was with a uh, Classic Rock magazine. Uh, I guess, in, and he talked about New Guns N' Roses music, but to, to quote him, he said, there is uh, nothing official, but that's only because they haven't had the opportunity to collaborate. He goes, with guns, uh, we've just started to touch the surface of what's uh, of what that's going to be. So I haven't really uh, fallen into the groove yet. And uh, I think everybody thinks it's a good idea, and everybody would like to do it. So I think that's awesome. I think that's so. So, Brett, so for somebody who's been covering Guns N' Roses for so long, did you ever expect to even just get to this point? Yes, we don't have new GNR, but just to— the continued hope and, and almost reality of it all. Uh, well, we've heard some things over the years. Obviously, Axel has all those unreleased uh, Chinese democracy sequel songs. And there were the rumors that uh, that maybe Slash and Duff had recorded new parts on them. And I think even Axel said in an interview uh, a couple of years ago, that thing he did in London, that he had played some of the unreleased songs for Slash and Duff. So we first heard about the idea back then, and then we heard uh, Richard Fortas, I think, last year mentioned that there were some new ideas being played backstage. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I, I mean, obviously, I won't believe it until I see it, but right. I think we'll get something at some point. And, um, and yeah, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I think the big issue is going to be, like, is Slash going to be willing to play on some of the unreleased, you know, post-Chinese democracy, uh, Chinese democracy material? And also is Axel going to be into some of Slash's refs? Because that was the big reason the split happened back in 1996 was Slash had his own vision for how he wanted the music to go. And, uh, and, and I think even Axel didn't like some of the ideas that ended up on the first Snake Pit album. And then Axel obviously has his own vision. So the big question is, is can Axel and Slash, uh, can, they ha- can they find a middle ground songwriting-wise? And also, how's it going to work without Izzy? Because people forget they've never made uh, an album without Izzy. You're right. Yeah, the creative process and the, and the direction of it all is going to be really interesting because you can still hear what Slash wants to make in the conspirators, but and you can. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, Axel still wants to play Chinese stuff, and you know, Slash seems to like it, adding his own flavor to it. But it's still another. The, the, still, the, the the blueprint is there, and is that the blueprint Slash wants to work with? So we'll we'll see. I, it's just the fact that they're all still together, and it's still what was meant to be just five shows has gotten this far, and that's what something else Slash had said. It was just supposed to be five shows, and look how long it's lasted. Incredible. 
Uh, and and the last part of, and I'll keep the the shotgun news brief because I I feel like we have a lot to discuss. And I don't know if you have any uh, history of any of these guys, but uh, Matt Sorum going on tour with uh, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top, the Big Bad Blues Tour. I know they're coming around me late October, so I'm I don't know. I like seeing former GNR people out and about while. Guns N' Roses is still a thing. So, have you? Did you ever get a chance to interview Matt Sorum or no? Yeah, yeah, I interviewed Matt about four years ago when he put out his solo album. How was that experience? Did you? Was it over the phone? Was it in person? I, uh, yeah, it was over the phone. I mean, you know, Matt seemed like a nice guy, but one thing uh, I've always—it's funny because people think I hate Chinese democracy or some or something, but I actually like Chinese democracy and the making of it. It's always fascinated me. And so I asked uh, Matt a couple questions about the making of it because he was still there up until. I think spring 1997. So he would have been around for at least some of the early stages of it. Sure. And um, I, yeah, I asked him a couple questions about that. But then one thing that was interesting was <laughs> at a certain point, I only asked a few questions. He was like, uh, you know, is this a Guns N' Roses interview or is this about my solo album? <laughs> so, that, so then we had to get back to that. That's, that's another reason I don't do uh, as many interviews anymore. Because like, if I'm talking about Sorum, I want to hear about Guns N' Roses and Velvet Revolver. But, uh, you know, Matt seemed like a nice enough guy. And, uh, you know, it's good to hear he's on too. I know he has Kings of Chaos and all that stuff too. Sure. And well, I mean, I understand where you're coming from and that's why there are certain people that are reluctant to even come on this podcast. And I say this lovingly because he was my first interview ever and the times I've met him, he was wonderful. That being Bumblefoot. But he doesn't want to come on a Guns N' Roses podcast because he kind of just wants to focus on his, his current projects. You know, I got to respect him. I can't tell him how to live his life. I just, but not everyone knows that when people come on here, just like uh, Josh Lewis last time, it's just, I'm not talking about guns. We went to high school with Slash. I mean, we spent some time on that, but a lot of it was about his upbringing and his current projects. And then, well, that leads down to you, Brett. You've interviewed, <laughs> of course, GNR people. Uh, but that was one of the questions that I got for you from a listener was, uh, why does he hate Chinese democracy so much? And of course, that I'm glad you you right out of the gate said that you like Chinese democracy because I'll, I'll give this uh, mm-hmm. this credit to the, uh, this fan credit uh, our buddy Alex Mendoza. Uh, I believe he's from your your coast, West Coast. Uh, please ask Brett why he hates Chinese democracy. And uh, so we already answered that, that you don't. I don't like what, what headlines have you made that you hate Chinese democracy? Um, I think the perception might be because actually I think it's when um, uh, it's when Slash's son said that uh, he wasn't really into Chinese democracy or something. And uh, yeah. And just because I did that as a headline, I, I think that's one example of people saying that, Oh, Brett doesn't like Chinese democracy. I'm just putting his, you know, opinion. And and to be honest, I don't even think that he said that he disliked it. He just said that he a lot it. of fans aren't into it, which which is correct. You know, so I was just reporting. He said, "Hey, a lot, you know, there's a lot of fans that aren't into it. You well, know, at the shows, and and that's the truth." And then also, I think the other is that I had one of my reporters do a video at one of the 2016 Not in This Lifetime shows, asking what fans thought about Chinese democracy, just because I thought it was interesting because they were playing the songs on the tour, and a lot of the fans weren't into it. There were some though that were. Um, and, you know, and I think Lauren, my reporter, is into it, too. Um, but I think it's just as I do certain stories where people say uh, they're not into Chinese democracy. But just as I do a story doesn't mean that's my opinion. And unless you see an editorial written by me that says I hate Chinese democracy, that's not my opinion. I don't agree with a lot of the opinions 
that I post on my site of uh, the musicians I cover. I got you. And there are certain sites, like I've noticed um, Metal Sucks has gotten super politically opinionated. I mean, and while you will give your opinion every uh, now and then, it's just not heavily on that. And I remember specifically, though, that London interview because, well, I did it. And I remember right. that, that quote, and I had to—it was just an interesting time because I had just asked London, not as a setup question, but he mentioned Velvet Revolver because he was really young, and I thought he was kind of cute where he would go backstage after a couple songs and play his Nintendo PSP. So, you know, we're getting his vision of Velvet Revolver. So I'm like, you know what? Well, you're going to not in this lifetime, and now you're seeing your dad play Chinese Democracy. You know, you weren't that familiar with Velvet. You weren't that, like, you were young. Like, what, what's your opinion? Did you know of the record? So he had had gone off and by saying, and I, I know I'm paraphrasing now, but it was something to the respect of, I just don't see many Chinese Democracy shirts. I see you right. illusion, appetite. And at this time, you and I didn't know each other that well and I hadn't gone it wasn't the consistency of Alternative Nation picking up my my podcast so I was just happy with the exposure I'm like oh okay that's I don't know it's a way to bring you in so but so this is where and I and I get it by the way for why sometimes you you have to approach your articles and headlines the way that you do anyway <clears throat> so Alex uh, he goes so please ask Brad about Chinese democracy haha uh, but he goes uh Excuse me, I have a hairball. He and again, these are his words. Makes misleading headlines about GNR just for clickbait. Does no real investigating, which I know is not true. Again, his words. Uh, relies on us fans for his quote news and his overall. And I, and I can't believe you said this. A douche. Ha ha. <laughs> and I said I will ask a version of that. Wink. Yeah. But. <laughs> Me knowing you a little bit, we've had long phone conversations. I felt I can read you something like that, and you have a good sense of humor because you read qu shit like that all the time. And I know who you are, again, through my experience as a person. So I like you as a person. So I kind of yeah. I wanted to give you this platform to to find more about Brett and why this perception is out there and why sometimes mm -hmm. you have to run your site the way that you know you run it. Yeah. Well no, yeah, well, the headlines, you know, I understand what but that's, that's every headline on the internet now. You know, it's the only way, uh, here's the best way to explain it, is that websites aren't really independent websites anymore. Like when people are like, oh, bro, that's great, you know, you on your own independent website. Not really. I, in a sense, I kind of work for Google, Facebook, and Twitter. You know, there's a, a monopoly, there's a tech monopoly in the United States. So like a lot of, like when I first got into this stuff, when I was, gosh, 11 or 12 years old doing, like, wrestling and MMA stuff, people would go to websites. So, like, if, if there was a website you liked, you'd go to it, and you'd read the headlines and the stories. But it's different now. People only see their headlines through social media and the algorithms on right. Google, Facebook, and Twitter. And there are certain words and, uh, and phrasing that helps you uh, get ranked on there. And the only, and that's why all these headlines, you know, look very similar, you know, on Ultimate Guitar and Consequence of Sound, Alternative Nation. It's the only way you're going to get ranking on there. So it's a combination of the tech monopoly and also, you know, readers on the Internet. Like if somebody likes the type of bands I cover, if they just went to my site and read the stories, then they wouldn't be thinking as much about the headline. But it's because of that, you know, tech monopoly. And also there's a lot of readers who just have ADD now. They're on their smartphones. Mm -hmm. and it's like if the headline doesn't grab you, 
they're not going to click it. Personally, I'm not like that. The websites that I like going on, I go to the website still. But, you know, I look at my numbers, and, and most people are finding the stories um, through, through those websites. So, like, if people would just go to my site instead of, go, you know, going through social media, the headlines would not be exactly as they are. You know, but it's almost like, like him telling me not to do the headlines. Like that. It's like telling a burger place not to advertise their prices and what they're selling. You know, I, I think that's the best analogy I could come up with. If you were to tell a burger place, you can't advertise the way you need to to get your business. If you told them they couldn't do that, they'd go out of business. So it's just kind of right. uh, the landscape in 2018. And, you know, I, I think if there wasn't such a tech monopoly with those companies, like let's say there were more social media sites that advertise headlines in different ways. On Facebook, you got this monotonous picture headline, and you got that on Twitter as well. If it was a little different, you could kind of customize how you advertise your stories. I think the headlines would be a little different. So, so one thing I would say, and, and people still criticize this as well, but I would say judge the content of the stories. You know, like if you're interested, once you actually get in the story with, with a lot of the quotes and stuff I find, which I think a lot of readers are, you know, even if they're not big fans of the headlines, then judge me by that. You know, that's the work, you know, that I put into the site trying to find these stories that nobody else is covering on, you know, my favorite bands like GNR. So, you know, judge by the content. And when it comes to, um, to getting stuff from fans, like my GNR forum, <laughs> just some of the people don't like me there, that's like the best source for GNR news. So, like, when people yes. get on me for stuff like that or going to, like, uh, the Nirvana Reddit or uh, the PearlGem.com forums or BelowMP.com for SPP, the reason I go to those places is they're the absolute best sources on the Internet for news on these bands is that's where you get the most diehard fans. And, and um, so that's why I go there and I credit, you know, I've credited my GNR forum a million times you do. and, and, and I, and I don't, and I never post anything, even if it's a rumor, if I think it's not true, I won't post it. Like when the Maynard James Keenan thing was happening recently, where there was this totally anonymous woman accusing him of rape. Right. I remember the only story I posted about it. First, I posted a story where I just vaguely mentioned it. I, I never actually posted the accusation because I, I did not believe it was true because there was no proof behind it. So I posted a recent quote that Maynard had made just about people believe anything they read, just as I thought it was a true relevant statement at the time. And then the only other stories I posted on it were Maynard's response and evidence that wasn't true. Every other major site on the Internet jumped on that story. I could have made a lot of money if I had been posting that accusation. I could have been the first to post it, but I did not think it was true. So I didn't do it. And huge, you know, huge sites posted about it. And then even when Maynard denied it, sites then felt that they could post the accusation. Even when Maynard denied it, I never posted the full accusation. You know, but something like a GNR tour rumor, to me, a lot of those have ended up being true. And on my GNR forum, a lot of those people ended up being right. You know, <laughs> saying, hey, GNR are going to play these cities or, hey, Izzy was backstage at that show, which on your show you found had ended up to be true. You know, and the rumors about Steven and stuff, a lot of the rumors end up being true. So that's why. And there's a lot less there. consequence if you're posting yeah, a rumor yeah, about a tour that yeah. turns out not to be right. true as opposed to a rape right. accusation. So Correct. I think people yeah. need to look at it like that as well. Like you said, the mm -hmm. content, like what is it really about? And is it could it be, mm -hmm. oh, it's, just, it's just another thing to make me click or I knew that already. Right. Are you going to get that mad about it when you're constantly? If you don't like the headline, yeah, if you don't like the headline, don't read it. Or just go on the site and just read the stories without really taking the headline seriously. Mm -hmm. But 
Yeah, I, I get that the headlines are clickbaity, but I don't think I post outright lies in the headlines. Uh, I, I definitely frame them in certain ways for algorithms. Like, say, I did a story on, uh, on Chris Novoselic today, and it's doing very well. I put Nirvana basis instead of Chris Novoselic, mm-hmm. and that's because Nirvana is going to be more searched on Facebook and Google and Twitter, and they're going to show more than Chris Novoselic. And it was something like Nirvana basis reacts to false Pearl Jam and Dave Grohl report. It is very vague, but it's the truth. It was Chris saying that he did not approve of his name being used in this uh, letter to try and save the show box venue in Seattle. And uh, Duff was part of that letter. And it's Chris saying that's not true. You know, I'm not part of that. Mm-hmm. So while that's a vague headline, it is true. But you have to create mystery but, where people are right. just going to read the headline. And a lot of people just read the headline now. And to be honest, I want people to read the story. I mean, obviously, I want them to go on my site, but in order to actually know the story, you can't just read the headline. And a lot of people, they just read the headline these days, unfortunately. In, in a way, it's kind of a good thing because it forces you to read where, like you said, a right. lot of people look at the headline and just forward it. And like, mm-hmm. did you even read the article? Well, now at least like right. you have, in order to understand what you're sharing or retweeting, you have to read the article. Mm-hmm. So in an indirect way, you're doing a, a public service, I guess. <laughs> yeah, more- or like or another example, a story I put up today, Billy Corgan reveals what he really thinks about Tool. I don't, it's not misleading. He did say what he really thought about Tool, and he said he thought they were great. But obviously, Billy Corgan being an opinionated figure and really thinks, I want people to not know, well, hey, does he like him? Does he not like this about him? Obviously, you want intrigue for somebody to read it. But I don't think that headline is misleading. And also the word reveals. Yes. For some reason, it does well. I don't know why, algorithm-wise. If it was up to me, I wouldn't be using it all the time. I've noticed. But reveals, yeah, right. it does well, and a lot of sites use it, you know, but, besides me. But before, like, it's for, at least for uh, my perception, you were using it mm-hmm. first, and now I'm yeah. seeing a lot of other sites, like, put reveal in there. So maybe they call it yeah. on. It's, it's, it's um, fascinating. It really is. Maybe the rock ones. Yeah, maybe the rock ones, but I was seeing other entertainment sites do it. But it's it's just kind of like, I only it, follow it the just works for the algorithms, right? Yeah, but it, it just works for the algorithms. You know, I mean, it, it's as simple as that. If people um, would like to see some more variety in headlines and how stories are promoted, then they should want Google and Facebook to be uh, broken up, you know, force Facebook to sell Instagram so that Instagram could become a competitor. But then someone like me, I could post different types of um, like advertisements for stories if that were to happen. You're just going in what the the blueprint of the mechanism is, whether it's Facebook or Google. You're just doing what ad best suits that format. That's what it sounds like. Correct. And you would just adapt mm-hmm. to whatever it is. Like it's right. It, that's why, like, whenever I talk to you, you don't talk to me in clickbait. That I have to talk mm-hmm. to Brett Buchanan longer to find out what the hell he's talking <laughs> yeah. about. Well, and I think <laughs> another thing too is like. I, I don't know if people pick up on it, but when I do a lot of these, the headlines are kind of tongue-in-cheek. Like, it's almost like yeah. a self-parody of clickbait. There are other sites that take themselves very seriously that do these clickbait headlines. Right. And with me, I don't take myself too seriously. You know, so it's like with these headlines, they're almost tongue-in-cheek. You know, like, to me, like, do people think I'm sitting there and thinking, like, I'm Edward Murrow writing these headlines? <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 to me, you know, like, I'll say the headlines even sarcastically out loud to friends. You know, it's just... It's kind of funny, but it is what it is. You know, um, one last quick thing before, because I, I want to find out more about Brett. And you mentioned, like, since you were, like, 11, 12, 13, started doing this. I'm like, I'm just, when you first told me that, I'm amazed. Was uh, And I think, uh, I wish I got the exact time uh, in in this episode before there was a uh, Billy Corgan reference. 
And because <laughs> I, I know, obviously, they've reunited. Uh, Sans, mm-hmm. uh, Sans Darcy, and there's a lot of, you know, he, he's relevant. And I've been noticing what in the com in those fun comment sections of whatever you know, insert whatever site. Uh, it's now getting the the Corey Taylor treatment that I feel like Blabbermouth gets. You know, what does Corey mm-hmm. what does Corey Taylor think about this? Is there a certain mm-hmm. like there's certain artists that are are just going you know, to attract more? Like you mentioned, uh, you know, Nirvana's bassist saying that is is more clickable than I'm mean, like is it like building Corgan more clickable than uh, I'm trying to think of someone relatable like a Gavin Rossdale because Bush is still um, out there. Well, yeah, no, I, I try to find a lot of stuff on, on Gavin, but he just doesn't say as much, you know, but I, I would say Billy's one of the more prominent guys. There's a lot of guys, unfortunately, are dead who I cover. I took this on the 90s. Fair and it's, enough. It's really sad. Yeah, it's really sad. But Billy's one of the last big guys from, you know, the 90s alternative rock, especially grunge era, you know, associated with that kind of, you know, guitar Him sound. Him better. But, that's um, it, right? Yeah, Eddie Vedder. Yeah, Eddie Vedder too. That's right. Like people recently were like, "Oh, why is every story about Billy and Eddie recently?" And another person commented, "It's sad." They're like, "Well, Chris Lane and uh, and Scott are dead, and it's sad, you know." So there's. I mean, when I started this site, they were alive, that's, you know, and, uh, yeah. and for many years they were alive when I was running it. And Billy and Eddie are, you know, they're two of the last guys standing. The last one. And, uh, and yeah, you know, it's, um, it's sad. I'm thankful that they're still here. But Billy says a lot. Like, recently he's been doing these Instagram story Q&A. So what I do, it's funny, he's even poked fun at it in his Instagram stories. And I've even posted him poking fun at it. Like, you know, I don't care. You know, it's all funny to me. But <laughs> Billy's just been answering a million questions recently. Yeah, I've been following him um, on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I actually have, I mean, this is kind of how I work. I have, like, a document right now of, like, 4,000 words worth, maybe more, of Billy's Instagram story Q&As, and I'll probably turn that into, like, 30 stories. Nice. So like, that's kind of how I work. Like, I have to, like, say I'll listen to one of your episodes, and, and I could find, like, a bunch of headlines. Or, for example, the, um, when uh, Gene R. Uh, Central interviewed uh, Doug Goldstein, that interview had a million headlines. You yeah. know, so if I find an interview or something like a Billy Instagram Q&A with a lot of headlines... You know, it's all about the headline. You know, so I'm looking for all the headlines, uh, you know, that I can get, basically. So how did you get to this point? Where did you, like, when did you, like, you're from the West Coast? Are you from California? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Orange County, California. All right. So, yeah, that's when I first spoke to you. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, I'm listening to the episode of the Californians. Again, I'm a Long Island Jew, so this is a, a different world <laughs> uh, to, for me. So when did you, because when did you start writing? Like, were you always... A writer? Is this what you always wanted to do? A reporter? Like, what did you, uh, what was the, what's the um, path of Brett Buchanan, of Darth Vader? Yeah, I've always, yeah, I've always been into, uh, to writing since, uh, you know, since I was a kid. Um, I, I remember one time when I was in high school, actually, I was in an English class, my teacher took me out, so I was pretty funny, and said, Brett, I'm gonna, and it's weird, the start of the year, I, I wasn't really into it grades wise, but, uh, and I did a couple essays. She's like, I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna put you in honors English next year. You'll do better without all these other shit heads. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. But, um, but I started getting into the internet stuff when I was 11 years old. I launched a wrestling site on freewebs.com. I don't know if anybody remembers that. So that would have been about 2003. Um, and for about a year, I was just writing about WWE and stuff. And then in uh, early 2004, I started uh, podcast, a wrestling podcast called BWR when I was 12 years old. They weren't even called podcasts back then. What was it? Uh, uh, the name of it? Because you cut out a little bit. The name of the podcast. Yeah, uh, B- yeah, BWR. Okay. Uh, and um, yeah, and I launched that when I was like 12. 
I was 15 or 16, so, thinking that would help, like in getting interviews. But um, when you were wow. That, they were, wow. Yeah, they weren't even called podcasts back then. Right. It was what? called internet radio. Right. You know, so I was doing this a lot. I was doing what you're doing a long time ago. And um, I remember uh, one of the first interviews I did was with a guy named Big Vito, who's in WCW, uh, WWE, TNA. And, um, and I was kind of an idiot in the interview. I asked some, I was like, well, Vito, were you a jobber or whatever when you were coming up? And that was kind of a derogatory wrestling term. But sure. he was really cool to me. He took me under his wing, and he was on a bunch of episodes, and I actually did his website for him. I even helped him with some independent wrestling bookends. I was just like 12 years old. Wow. And, uh, and he was a big mentor to me when it came to – you know, kind of learning how to deal with like journalism and interviewing. And then, oh, that's cool. And then I interviewed, yeah, and I interviewed a lot of people like Rob Van Dam, AJ Styles, nice. Smojo, Bobby Lashley. Uh, I mean, a million names I'm wow. probably forgetting right now. Quentin Rampage Jackson, and even Bruce Buffer for the final episode I did in uh, 2009 did was like the guest announcer for it. But we kind of did like a Howard Stern type thing that you couldn't really do now. That's why I haven't ever you know done much podcasting on termination even though i briefly did a grunge report one years ago and um see i did that through uh when i was 17 in uh in 2009 and i mean there are a bunch of stories you know from doing that show i had a lot of fun with that and uh were you going to school at the time like was this like an after school thing yeah yeah when i started it i was in sixth grade and when it ended i had i only went to high school for two years so when it ended i had just gotten out of high school uh, I was 17, and so so I ended the show in in spring '09, and then Wait, you, literally two weeks before I lose it. You, you, before I lose it, you graduated high school in two years. Yeah, yeah, I only went two years, and I took a test, not not the GED, something else, so that I could get out. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and then um, yeah, and then I and then literally like two weeks, I was already formulating it. Two weeks after I ended BWR, um, I launched GrungeReport.net, so I, I didn't really have any break. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, I'd been passionate for, you know, since I was, a, I guess I was still a teenager at that point, but even a younger teenager, I've been passionate about, you know, 90s rock music. So I launched GrungeReport.net in spring 2009, and, uh, and that's where I started coming out of the wrestling stuff. That just blows my mind, because I, I, I know you're, you're younger than me, so you, I guess, had more access to mm-hmm. the, the internet for me growing up. I'm not... You know, an old man, but I remember dial-up and Oregon mm-hmm. Trail and all those things. But even then, I, at that age, I wouldn't have thought to, you know, to be a reporter. And I was so shy. The fact that, mm-hmm. you know, yes, this is a podcast. I mean, it could just be you and me listening. I know there uh, will be thousands. But, you know, when I was on FM stations talking to thousands upon thousands of thousands of people, I was so mm-hmm. shy. Was it just mm-hmm. you? doing it like, no did you have friends no no did you um, have like a you no, know first, yeah yeah no at first actually it was a couple of my summer baseball camp coaches for the first six months they were just funny guys and uh and i would talk to them about uh wrestling when okay so i did it with them for about six months and then eventually i found uh my co-host sandy and uh and then he ended up doing about four and a half out of the five years with me and sandy was great he was hilarious like i was not a good host at all the first couple of years I was going through puberty. If you listen to that <laughs> show, I was only really good. Maybe the second half of the run of that show, you know, for, for the other part of the show, I was, I was a good punching bag. You, you know what I mean? Like guy to make fun of you know, for Sandy and other people who are on the show, but I give all the credit for the majority of that, the run of that show to Sandy mild coast, he even did a little, uh, when I was doing grunge report podcasting for maybe about the first 
uh, maybe six months of the site. Um, he did a little bit of that. But, yeah, I give a lot of credit to Sandy for where I'm at now. He, he helped me out a lot. Were your parents supportive? Did they ever think that you could make something of being a, a rock journalist or a rock podcaster, even though there wasn't a term for it yet? Like you could make oh, well, I mean, I mean, at first it was... I mean, at first it was wrestling, but to be honest, I just did it because I liked doing oh, it. That point. I wasn't right. even thinking about. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about it as a career at that point. I was thinking maybe, but I wasn't sure. I just did it because I liked doing it. You know, I'd heard a few internet wrestling radio shows and stuff, so I was into it. But um, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of thinking about it as a career at that point. But at that point, I was just really doing it because I loved doing it. You know, I was having fun. But um, I, I guess as Grunge Report went on, then I started thinking about it in terms of you know, maybe this could turn into a job. And I'm kind of, I'm still learning like business and stuff, but I mean, I could have been making more money off this when I was much younger. I wasn't such a dumbass when it came to business, <laughs> but, but I, you know, I kind of learn as I go. Uh, yeah. I guess as, as grunge sports started going, then I started thinking about it maybe as a, as a job. And I, and I ended up, you know, I went to college and my, my degree was TV and broadcast journalism, which is uh, very vague. At first I kind of wanted to get into like narrative TV you know, maybe the, the film industry, but, um, but I also studied some like broadcast journalism stuff, you know, like video editing. Right. Um, so, uh, people, I do have a college degree for it, but I was doing it long before I got the college degree. And to be honest, the college degree does not really make a huge difference. It's just a bunch of student loan debt. (laughs) I think the way you, that's why I'm amazed by it because I went the, the school route, you know, my, my Mm -hmm. BAs in broadcast journalism, I had, you know, video editing and, uh, actual news reporting going out in the field interviewing people and Uh it's just i just feel like i would have learned more if i started earlier and i learned oh and i learned more i mean which is the case in any trade but when you're actually out in the field but you really just hit the ground running and just to kind Uh of be brought up in that kind of lifestyle uh, who was your favorite wrestler of uh, who? You know what? Who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Before we move on to the, uh, part. the, the Rock, got me into wrestling. May not be the the history <laughs> answer, but yeah, The Rock. He he made me fall in love with wrestling. But um, all, right, yeah, all my favorites are like yeah, The Rock. You know, uh, Shawn Michaels. Yep, that's um, uh, Brock. Brock Lesnar is my favorite still. Yeah, I love Brock Lesnar. I love TNA back when TNA was um, on Spike TV and was like a real company. Now they're kind of a shell themselves. So I like AJ Styles and guys like that from WWE now too. Yeah, I watch on and off, but no, I'm with you with Shawn Michaels and uh, and Bret Hart mm-hmm. and Bret Hart. Oh I yeah, I want to yeah, get if you have any ties or if anyone knows, I would love to interview Charlotte Flair on the show because I know she's a big Guns N' Roses fan. She has the word patience tattooed on her. Uh, oh, and, I didn't know that. that yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and, I'll look into that because we actually interviewed um, back when I was doing BWR. WWE at the time didn't book a lot of interviews like they do now. Like they were very anti wrestling media. So like the, I think the only current WWE guy we got when I was doing that show was Rob Van Dam, and he just didn't give a shit about the rules. That's why he did it. <laughs> well, ECW baby, there are, there are no uh, yeah. rules. That yeah, yeah. But, um, I, I interviewed some WWE guys though a few years ago, um, like uh, Seth Rollins and uh, 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 Daniel Bryan, um, D. Ambrose. Actually, I could maybe have an end to try and get you, try it. Charlotte. Uh, that, yeah, look into it. That would be amazing. You could be my co-host. It would, uh, Charlotte mm-hmm. and the other one I thought of, and I know he's friends with uh, our friends in Paradise Kitty, that great uh, all-female GNR cover band, and that's uh, Dolph Ziggler. I know he's a big mm-hmm. uh, GNR fan. So I would love to, mm-hmm. well, just putting, whether it's you or just putting it out into the universe, I would love to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'll when, look into it for you. Awesome. So when did the uh, the rock thing come about in 
Or, you know what, even, I was wondering, was it the rock thing, or was it during wrestling when you had that first interview, like, holy shit, look what I'm doing, and this is what I want to do in, in my life. Was it wrestling, or did that happen when he started getting into the music scene? Um, I don't know, the wrestling, there was a little starstruck, but I will say I enjoyed doing wrestling interviews more than music ones, because it wasn't so uh, political. Like, they're, it's so regimented, you know, with the music interviews. The wrestlers, though, would just kind of say what they thought, so, like, they're there wasn't as much starstruck because they were, it was just more of a conversation than, than a lot of uh, music publicist interviews. Yeah. So, I mean, there were some cases, you know, like RVD, you know, was, was one of my favorites at the time, you know, so there were other examples, you know, I was a big fan of Bobby Lashley at the time, but, um, but yeah, I would definitely say the music is when I started getting more starstruck. I think the first music related interview I did was on grunge report was Chad Channing, the, um, Technically not the first drummer of Nirvana, but the yes. uh, Bleach drummer yes. um, of Nirvana. Um, I interviewed him summer 2009, and then I didn't do a ton of interviews the first years. There's some others I'm probably forgetting. Melissa Optimar, I think it was in 2010 from uh, from Hole, okay. Smashing Pumpkins. Um, and uh, who, Eric Erlandson from Hole, I interviewed in 2010. So those were some of the earliest. I'm trying to think the first I got starstruck by. Um, but I mean, definitely when I was interview, interviewing like Scott Weiland and, and guys like that and Duff McKagan, you know, it was definitely a level of being starstruck. When did you go into this for yourself? Because I know you had startup, uh, you know, websites, but when you, mm-hmm. would you say like alternativenation.net, like that's when you're like, okay, this is going to be my baby. This is going to be my, for a lack of another comparison, my Rolling Stone. Uh, is that did you have to build like cause to get those names, even mm-hmm. even uh you know the former drummer of Nirvana, even people in hold mm-hmm. that aren't Courtney Love, you still have to build up a rep. You can't right. Like so how did you build the create? Uh, how did you build your your empire your or your alt empire? Yeah, well, but when we were doing a lot of interviews on the side, I don't do as many now just because they don't really make a lot of money unless you get a big name. At least for what I do, you know, like you're. you're I think that's a little different from what I do. Interviews aren't really a lot of money. Don't, they, they take a lot of time and, and won't make a lot of money unless you're going to get a good headline. You know, but, but back when I was doing a lot of uh, interviews on the site, uh, this guy, Mike Mazarone, who people might recognize as a name, he still does some stuff for the site, but he used to do some writing. But yeah, first it, it started with Chad Channing and then Melissa and then Eric. And then, um, and then I changed the name to Alternative Nation 2013 when I realized that I wanted to broaden you know, what we and stuff. And right when we changed the name, I think that helped get a lot more interviews just as the name sounded better. And, um, and, and that's what really got the ball running. I would say I have a social media presence, you know, because ultimately, you know, a lot of people, they care about the numbers. That's what's important. And as the site started growing and we got bigger list of names, that's when we started getting, uh, some bigger interviews. That's what it's about. And that's kind of, I mean, it's the same thing for, my podcast is like, where do you go mm-hmm. in the name and all of that is, is relative. So, uh, what are some, and what I like is it's obviously alternative nation alter. Mm-hmm. I grew up with that phrase. as right. you, I even know you're, you're yeah, Perry Farrell. Perry Farrell was the first to use that to describe the early nineties alternative rock scene. So then why, and I'm glad you do we are whether you like alt nation or not, I think you're still glad mm-hmm. that you cover guns and roses. So mm-hmm. yes, they, they, you know, the illusions came out in 91, but would you consider them all? So, what, um, yeah, well, the reason why, yeah, even though Alternative Nation, technically the name is alternative, but I, I look at it, 
I mean, it's really bands that I like. I mean, the basis of it, though, is 90s rock. And GNR, one of their, their biggest touring period was the early 90s. Mm-hmm. I mean, we remember, you know, I mean, the feuds with uh, Kurt Cobain and stuff. So from, you know, up until 93 or so, they were very hot at the same time that Nirvana... I mean, basically, Nirvana and GNR kind of disappeared around the same time. So if you really think about it, GNR, we're in the thick of that. They weren't the exact same sound. Obviously, they sounded very different, but they kind of, in a way, helped kickstart that alternative revolution. When they came out with all the hair bands and stuff, and they're bringing like a punk sound of that, you know, mixed with some classic rock. So GNR, I would credit as a big reason that the 90s alternative rock scene grunge was able to happen. So that's the reason I covered them. Also, I love GNR, so that's why. So, you know, you got to cover what you know. Um, so that's why I covered GNR, and, and the fans of the site seem to like GNR. So that's, that's why GNR is covered. I agree. I, I can tell that, and that was something I was able to tell from the beginning, mm-hmm. that you're a mm-hmm. fan of Guns N' Roses. You're not just, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you have to cover mm-hmm. a band or a person because right. you know it's going to generate clicks or right. you know it's going to be a good article mm-hmm. that you actually like Guns mm-hmm. N' Roses. But, so you've been involved kind of in the, quote, community for a while. Haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, how, how I first got into GNR was through, I mean, I'd heard them over the years. I mean, it's GNR, but how I really got into them was Velvet Revolver. That's around the time um, I really got into, became passionate about rock, even though I've listened over the years. But um, yeah, Velvet Revolver was one of the first rock shows I went to. It was, it was summer of sex. It was like the very tail end of the contraband shows as they were taking a while to start recording Libertad. And, um, yeah, I just got into SCP and all that stuff. So I saw Velvet Revolver, and that really got me into GNR. And then I became obsessed with when the hell is Chinese democracy going to come out <laughs> and, uh, and listening to all the leaks. And then, um, you know, I'd go on my GNR forum. And then, uh, ironically, there's just – we, we don't need to get into it, but there's actually another forum that I used to post on where they actually used to kind of like me, then they turned on me. <laughs> I, I won't get into that whole thing. Yeah, because there are uh, certain forums that ban you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. I got I got banned from it. So, <laughs> I, you know, the, the forum I endorse. I mean, I know there are mm-hmm. are good ones like here today gone to hell. But I mean, I mm-hmm. I frequent you know my GNR forum uh, as mm-hmm. well. I mean, I've had Downsy on here. I had uh, Russ TCB mm-hmm. on, on a mm-hmm. couple times, and uh, yeah, they, they may not like me. They may not like me, but I like my GNR forum. So the feeling may not be mutual, but I think they have. Some good discussions on there, and they, and they break a lot of you're, stuff. So you're all good guys. Like, yeah, cool, but you're a good site. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm like, you're all good guys, but I'm like, you know what? That's I'm not going to question what happened between the people involved. But I, it's it's mm-hmm. a good site, and I think you you always credit. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I I always I always say how nice you are to me to people. So that's why. And it's, by the way, I have another funny story. I, I won't mention the site by name, but MSL used to be involved with this other GNR form. I know he's become controversial over the years, but MSL's on uh, MLW radio and I've listened to that over the years and, I, and I've always been a fan of it, but I actually emailed with MSL and he told me that he had listened to my show, BWR back in the day. I told him I listened to MLW, but actually MSL has surprisingly been cool to me the times I've talked to him, but I don't think he's involved with that uh, other form anymore. No, I, uh, I called them. Uh, we, I mean, I know you've covered it, and that was. I think mm-hmm. there were a lot of fans that were really appreciative that you put up an article about the copyright democracy uh, mm-hmm. thing. That, and I call refer to that site as Truth Cult because they were mean to mm-hmm. me out of nowhere. I didn't do anything to anybody. Anyway, uh, 
I don't get it. I mean, everybody, this happens in every fan community, though. I mean, GNR, I mean, you know, it'll happen in, I mean, it's crazy. So let me ask you that then. Does it happen in a pumpkin's community? Does it happen in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To this level? To to the level that's. Um, Yeah, the pumpkin's community is. um, The problem with the pumpkin's community is there's the ultimate Billy Ass Kissers um, on, like, these Facebook groups, like one called Sad Machines. They'll defend no matter what. And then that for you. Um, which I've posted on, and there's people I agree with, but they get too anti-Billy sometimes. So it's like you've got one extreme or the other. And with me, I'm kind of like, I'm sure Billy Corgan, if I were to walk into a room right now, he would not be very happy with me because I posted him and Darcy's text messages in that interview. <laughs> I was posting Darcy's views. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I interviewed Billy a few years ago, and I talked to him on the phone one time about a potential pro- project years ago. And it's funny, people rip on my credibility and stuff. I've never once talked about what me and Billy talked about on, on the phone. And he said some interesting things in that conversation, but, you know, it was off the record. But, um, but yeah, in the Pumpkins fan community, there's like the pro-Billy, anti-Billy, and, you know, it can get pretty heated. And um, especially in the communities where, uh, where people died, like Chris Cornell, it's absolutely crazy, you know, or Kurt Cobain, you know. So, I mean, it just is what it is, you know. Rock music, like the type of stuff guys like, you know, Axel write about, you know, Chris Cornell, Billy Corgan, you know, it can be kind of dark stuff. So, you know, this isn't Justin Bieber we're talking about here. So it's going to be some people, you know, who may, you know, go through some, some mental stuff. And some people just don't know quite how to handle it on the Internet, I guess, unfortunately. Well, I mean, you just log on the Facebook and you can see that people don't know how to behave themselves. I think... You know, if you don't expect a certain level of that, you're fooling yourself. Then close your computer, shut off your phone. The internet is not for you. I just didn't know if it crossed a point where there are uh, there's illegal trading, there's uh, the copyright stuff that happened out of nowhere, where fans are not just like throwing insults at each other or uh, varying opinions, where there is like cyber warfare. I guess is a way I want to kind of blanket the copyright stuff or the leak, the leaking stuff. It's like this cyber warfare going on between uh, some GNR fans. I guess you cover more fan bases and, and watch and are a part of more fan bases. I think at least on that level than I am. I so are you not surprised about you know things that you've covered and that what's been going on in the GNR fan community over the past few months? Um, I mean. It- it, it it doesn't completely surprise me, but I guess the level it's gotten to, you know, it's kind of sad with that stuff. But I look at it, and I wish everybody listening, whether you agree with me or agree with some site or another site, like, just think about if, if you met somebody in real person who you're having this internet war, talk to them. And I guarantee you a lot of people would not talk to them. You know, so just aspect, you know, a lot of a lot of this internet stuff, unfortunately. But I think if people actually spoke to each other, you know, as human beings, it wouldn't be going on. But yeah, I mean, people just get in echo chambers and then they just go down rabbit holes, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's what I I think. That's why I I went the radio route and now with this podcast route. I think it's just you're kind of meeting me face-to-face and talking as opposed to right. me starting a blog or something. So this, I feel more comfortable in this outlet. So um, talk to me about some of the uh, the GNR guys that you've either come across or specifically interviewed. Uh, what do you have for uh, the Guns N' Roses fans listening? Um, yeah, well, I talked about Matt. Um, I interviewed Duff. He was very nice. And um, 
I actually interviewed him on the phone, and then that same day I saw him play an afternoon slot with walking papers at this festival, and I got to shake his hand, say hello. Cool. Uh, so Duff was really nice. And then, um, you know, those are the GNR members that I've interviewed. But then I interviewed Scott Weiland, uh, who played Velvet Revolver, sure. and I interviewed the I've ever interviewed. He's such a nice guy. And uh, but but Scott actually, I remember he told me uh, there were rumors at the time that Gene Harper and I knew it's happening. And he told me that. And it, it, it's kind of interesting. At the time, I thought I thought Scott might be kind of trying to stir some stuff. As he broke the news to me that Chester Bennington was quitting SCP, and I kind of thought maybe he's throwing shit out there to try and stir shit. But man, he's telling me the truth about both of those. So. Uh, so after I saw the Chester news was true, I was like, man, maybe this GNR thing's really happening. And uh, unfortunately, Scott didn't live to see it, but, uh, but GNR ended up uh, reuniting a few months after that. But yeah, the Scott interview, and there's a lot behind that. Um, I'd been, po- I mean, Scott was basically killing himself. So yeah, with Scott, I'd been very critical of him for a couple of years because he was just killing himself. And, uh, and it was just sad to see him. I was posting fan accounts and stuff. And, uh, so when I interviewed him, I actually walked in the room and he said, why you, that's what it's funny. Somebody called me a douche. He's like, why did you become such a douche to me? And then I said to Scott, I was like, Scott, these are your biggest fans posting this stuff. You know, I was like, I'm not some like great journalist, you know, you know, pulling this stuff, you know, out of, out of thin air. I was like, it, it's your fans. You know, these are your biggest fans. And, and I think Scott was just in a deep denial at the time. I even mentioned the site below empty.com to him if he'd heard of that. That's where I found most stuff about him. And he's like, no, I never heard of that. He's like, oh, these people just want to autograph forever. But I think even though he was in denial about his drug, you know, his drug use, I think he kind of understood because we ended up having a great interview. We shook hands at the end. I told him, you know, I was, like, I was like, Scott, these are the type of stories I want to be writing about you. You know, you talking about your music. And, um, and, and then after that, I ran Scott's social media um, for the last month of his life for the final part of uh, his, his last tour. And, um, wow. you know, and I, and I mainly did it to uh, – I, I wanted to kind of change my approach. And it was, I, I was kind of doing tough love, very tough love before with the site. But I was like, you know, if I can show Scott that fans have not given up on him. You know, um, not to like hide that he was struggling or whatever, but just to I was posting a lot of fan friendly stuff just to, you know, get some nice comments and stuff. And then my plan was I wanted to meet with Scott again uh, as I interviewed him in November. And then in late December, I wanted to I wanted to show him a lot of these comments and have like fan Q&As and stuff. And um, I just wanted to show him that people had not given up on him, you know, that he could still make it through this and, and live. But then unfortunately, I saw on, on Twitter the night he died and then uh, Scott's manager called me. And, and I posted the death announcement. You know, I picked the picture and um, uh, the, the manager actually dictated it to me. But, but I posted it and I picked the picture and it was, yeah, it was one of the toughest things, you know, I've, I've had to do. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's the Scott Weiland story. How do you even like, like what, it's interesting that you, I guess it makes sense for the manager to dictate, uh, dictate to, uh, that to you. But di- when you were... Mm-hmm monitoring his did you just post it and go away from the computer were you watching the comments come in how did you process the following you know minutes and hours or when the world was finding out that scott wyland had passed uh well the, the first thing i saw dave navarro tweet r.i.p scott wyland and i was like what yeah i remember it was like 9 p.m on a thursday or something and um and then pretty quickly after, maybe within 20 minutes, uh, Scott's manager, um, who he'd had the last few months of his life, who was a lot better than his previous manager, who's a total asshole, 
And uh, th- this guy was a good guy, though, and he wasn't really in denial. Like, he wanted to help Scott, at least from what I could tell. And uh, but he gave me a call, and I was like, is it true? And he was like, yeah, unfortunately it is. And, um, and then he, he dictated the statement to me, and then, you know, I, I put it up, and uh, and I didn't get much sleep that night. But um, Like, but, did you watch yeah, the then, comments come in? Like, how did you – what was you – after you put it up, the the post, like how did you? Um, yeah, then because you're a fan also. That wasn't just your yeah. job, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was, I mean, I knew it was true when I first read it, but you know, to hear it that way and then have to be the one to write the announcement of Scott Wilde is my number one favorite singer, you know, of all time, you know, and um, right. That's why I'm asking because I. Yeah, you know, and and also the feeling, too, was like I always feared he would die, like almost the entire time I was a big fan of his, you know, but to have the reality actually happen, you know. I, I, because I, I'm thinking about, because I, I, I made a post that mm-hmm. night on the radio, on mm-hmm. um, a station that I was working at, uh, FM station mm-hmm. I was working at at the time, and yeah. I was. I just I didn't have access to the manager because I'm like this isn't true. Right. I'm like come on. Mm-hmm. So just mm-hmm. I mean I'm on Twitter. I'm looking at different sites and everything. And I guess when it finally came through the Associated Press, that's when I, my program director's like, yeah, you can make the announcement. And I'm watching just all the comments and things of of that nature are difficult. Where it's not mm-hmm. just uh, like if it's like a Tom Petty death. I'm not saying that that's not difficult, but mm-hmm. every, he, there was such love surrounding him. But with Scott mm-hmm. Weiland, you know, and you'll have also, I guess, the same thing even with Chris Cornell when it's either a drug mm-hmm. overdose or a suicide. Mm-hmm. Just these, fun, yeah. these nasty comments. And the worst one was, uh, you know, I would see it was after Chester died, you know, because mm-hmm. Lincoln Park seemed to be a bigger target to make fun mm-hmm. of. It's So yeah. I, I just didn't know if, you know, while you're doing your job, you're also kind of grieving. Do you shut down the computer? Do you watch it all unfold as your fellow fans are kind of grieving and finding out um, in real time? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I just had to deal with it, you know, in real time with Scott. I would actually say the the much more shocking death because I'd feared it was Scott, you know, for a while, the more shocking death is Chris Cornell. Sure. I, I remember I've been dealing, I've been dealing with, you know, some server issues for a few days and then I wake up to, and it's actually the same as when Scott died. I got more text messages when Scott and Chris died than when relatives had died. You know, I mean, that, that's how, that's how much people know I love those guys' music. I just remember I woke up and I, when, when Chris died and I saw a bunch of text messages and, and it was like, you're not going to like, you know, who, who died was, was, you know, one of my uh, friends texted me. And then um, I, I was, and it was a weird level of shock because I woke up, but then also I had to do my job with Alternative Nation because right. the side had been dealing with server issues. So the second I woke up, I was like, I was like Chris Cornell died. And then I had to deal with the server and, I had to like get the server working and then what I shortest version of like the death announcement possible. Um, you know, even though it happened overnight. And then I think I just kind of sat there. The Cornell one shocked even more than Scott. It wasn't the level of sadness with Scott, but not as much shock. Um, I remember I just kind of sat there. I don't know if it was 30 minutes or an hour. I just, I just kind of sat there processing it. Like there were no warning signs. I mean, maybe a little bit, but not really with Chris. I was just like, 
I could not. I, I still can't. I write all these headlines and people get on me as I write about certain stuff, but it's my job. I wrote about the guy when he was alive for years. Now he's died. There's have, like there's this autopsy TV special. Yeah. I don't like that it's happening, but it's my job to write about it. It's not my job to cover my ears and ignore it. I write in depth about these guys in life and death, just like I was writing about the Chris tributes at the Pearl Jam show over the weekend. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, that Chris one was difficult to process. And then the Chester one, too. I, I met Chester uh, at an SDP rehearsal uh, when he was in SDP. And Chester was so engaging. He stopped and talked to every fan and journalist that was there. He shook my hand. He engaged me for, you know, three to five minutes. And he did that with every single person there. He shook your hand. He looked in your eye. You know, he, just, he was just mm-hmm. such a nice guy. And, and the connection with Chris and Scott, it's like, I still cannot believe with Scott, it's, it's terrible, but um, with Chris and Chester, especially, I cannot believe they're gone. You know, especially with Chris, like I, I still like these stories. I'm like, like, how is that the end of that story? I know. You know what I mean? I, I'm sure in the future people will look at the history books and like, Oh, that was the end of that. I, I still can't believe that, but that was not, he was supposed to be one of the survivors. You know, that was not supposed to be the ending of that story. I still can't believe I'll, I'll, Sometimes I'll go on Soundgarden and Chris's Wikipedia page, and, and I still cannot believe it. You know, and people may think, oh, Brett's posting all this stuff. He's trying to exploit it. It's difficult. It weighs on me. I've got, I'm looking at a poster of Soundgarden right now, you know, down on the upside, one of my favorite albums. And, um, I mean, it, it, it just sucks. You know, I didn't, you know, when I launched the site, I was, you know, Chris and Scott were two of the focuses. And I did, and then Chester, too, as he joined SDP, and I did not expect to be writing about these guys as being dead. You know, it, it, it just sucks. It does suck. But I, I enjoy when you, I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but I, I'm glad that you still post about him so we don't forget. Because I, I, I've, right. I've talked about, I've spoken about this with you off the air, and I've mentioned it. Uh, on the air as well, but mm-hmm. the way that Chris and, and Chester passed away was how my dad passed away, which was a year before uh, Robin Williams. So it, in mm-hmm. addition to being a fan of Soundgarden and Lincoln Park, both growing mm-hmm. up, those mm-hmm. deaths hit me, especially you know Chris being the older. I don't know if he was he wasn't. Uh, my dad was fifty nine, so he wasn't that old, but still being kind of like a fatherish figure for me chester was closer to ish my age so just looking at like that and and it just and just understanding because i I follow vicky cornell on twitter and just knowing what family members go through uh Mm -hmm. but i i always say and i and give you credit for every single one of those articles about whoever it is that has passed away or is suffering i think you did the same thing with the with DJ Ashba, which I, I, I don't know if I mentioned it on this program. I said on GNR Central. I hope he's all right because he had a DUI. Yeah. I mean, I know his mugshot could be, you know, poke fun at it a little bit because he's got the eyeliner mm-hmm. and the mohawk, but I hope he's all right. Uh, but right. you always put yeah. the suicide hotline. You put the treatment yeah. hotline in there, usually at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, that's usually the yeah. first thing. Yeah. So that that's mm-hmm. so important in the rock world. That's why, you know, I, I love seeing Steven Adler's posts. You know, seeing him the other day when he was at a foreigner concert and he's there with Matt Sorum, knowing what he's been through. So I think those are that's mm-hmm. important to get out there, and you're still mm-hmm. putting it out there. Uh, yeah, I don't think you're exploiting it. It's you have to do it as we've discussed in your unique algorithm box 
but you're still getting well, reporting. Well, and you can't you can't you can't ignore reality. I mean, the the sad part is, especially the stuff I covered, suicide is a huge thing, especially now. You know, it started with Kurt Cobain, and then uh, Chris and Chester, and and I got credit uh, to, to Linda Bennington, uh, Chester's widow, a lot for raising a lot of work. Like uh, one thing is, um, I didn't start doing this until after Chester died, but she's like. Um, you know, she was saying on social media and in interviews, you know, uh, it should be referred to as died by suicide rather than committed suicide. And um, and, and so I, I try to remember to do that every article now that I write about Chris or Chester, um, you know, or whoever, hmm. um, you know, died by suicide. You know, it's mental illness, even though there is a sense. And, and you know, I do. Have, and, I, and I've had friends who've dealt with suicidal thoughts. I have a friend who, who checked into a mental hospital to take care of himself. And, I, and I've written about that. You know, I wouldn't say who the friend is or any of that. But, um, you know, and it, it's important, you know, for people to talk about it and know that, um, you know, there, there shouldn't be a stigma attached. I, I do have to admit, though, man, it is disappointing and sad. Like when you see Chris and Chuck, it's like, I wish they wouldn't have done it. So it's I know, like, I know. It, it is a conflicted, and I'm sure you deal with that personally. It's like, obviously you can't be super, I've, um, and also with addiction, I my stepdad died from alcoholism. You know, multi disease, I still get pissed at him for not fighting it. You know, so it's like, well, I could never like hate him for it. You know, I still, you know, I still love him, you know, even though he's been gone for five years now. Um, That's never going to end. Still, yeah, you still, I still have that feeling of even if he was going to die from it, I wish he would have fought more. You know, I mean, you still have those feelings. And, and even when I think of Chris and stuff, it's still like, you know, it's mental illness, but at the same time, I'm just like, oh, man, if only he could. But, you know, we don't know. I think that's, what's, that's what's important yeah. about, like, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, we right. think that they could have fought more. Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes right. you're right if they did, mm-hmm. you know. Stay with the but rehab. We just don't know. Yeah, yeah. that's the only way that I can say that I feel is that while I've never officially right. made the attempt, I've definitely have lived in the I don't want to be on this planet anymore. Yeah, world. yeah. No, I've had I had feelings like that a few years ago. I've never actually wanted to kill myself, but I've had really low feelings as recent as three years ago, where I felt like I. I like I'm just existing. I'm not living. But what I did at that time is I, I took a year off from school, and and I've told other people that. Um, hit pause, not stop. You know, when you're dealing with mental issues, like do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Don't, don't feel embarrassed. You need to go to a mental hospital. You need to quit your job or take a break. Just do it. I Me, mean, I took a year off school, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I was actually dealing with some other health issues that I deal with, you know, combined with mental stuff. And it was just all kind of, so I was like, you know, I need to take a breather and deal with this. And that's what I did, you know, and I was able to, you know, climb out of that. But, you know, that's why I just hope that everybody, you know, reading about it, you know, I just hope people talk about it to each other, you know, because it's not. And also, too, I wrote about, too, because, like, he said stories about Vicky and the widows. I want people to read that or were thinking about it to be like, man, it is not glorious. Like, there have been there's no your family's not better off without you. You know, like like look at with uh, Chris's family with Vicky. There's kind of a feud with with uh, Chris's brother, Peter. And I mean, this happens with a lot, you know, with, with Scott, even though that wasn't suicide. Um it all it, 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 suicide and and addiction it leads it leaves a path of destruction you know and and i want people to remember that when they're reading you, you know like man look how rough it is you know for vicky and she's being brave but to be like you know if somebody's thinking about it like you know i'm going to call that hotline or i'm going to reach out to somebody i'm going to go to a mental hospital you know you know I, I just want people to be talking about it yeah that's know, what and, that's, and, why that's why i talk about it you know that's why i talk about it cuz i i know there were certain points in my life where if someone just talked about, spoke about it, maybe it would have made me feel better in that moment. And 
You know, mm-hmm. while it's going to be an everyday, you know, thing, and I accept that, uh, I'm definitely mm-hmm. a lot better off than I used to be. Uh, but it makes mm-hmm. me think of, and it, it ties in everything together. It ties in what you do. Mm-hmm. It ties in our conversation. ties in Guns N' Roses. That's why we're here. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. the last few months of Chester's life when they were performing, and I'm sure I first saw it on uh, Alternative Nation, when there was mm-hmm. a, a show that they were playing and somebody threw a bottle at Chester. Yeah, and yeah. you know mm-hmm. that's that still sticks out in my mind. And mm-hmm. in addition to that, you know, and I'm, I guess I'm trying to show uh, the the culture of the fan and social. Yeah, I guess the fan by itself or the fan via social media how they behave. And mm-hmm. when you're commenting on Chester's articles now, ch- commenting on Chris mm-hmm. Cornell, and you have mm-hmm. anything. Oh, maybe I wasn't a fan of the band, but even like a nice, mm-hmm. like a slight dig there, they still mm-hmm. have family and friends and children that are going to read these things. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine what I would had to have gone, go through, would, how amplified it would have been mm-hmm. if it was in the public. So that's why I feel for mm-hmm. Vicky Cornell, because you yeah. said you took a pause. I really took a a public pause for two years. Like I, I hung out with like little to no people for two years. And so mm-hmm. I took a public pause. That was me. That was me for like a yeah. year. Yeah, no, I was a complete a... fucking hermit. Complete hermit. Mm-hmm. And, but just again, I was dealing it in my own world. But then to have that right. in the comments section, it's just, it's a lot. So then yeah. to me, the shift to GNR, and I don't know if you can shed light on this thing, whether uh, this topic, whether it's true or not. That's what hurts me about – I mean, I never met Axl Rose. I can't say it hurts me like it hurts a family member, but it hurts me in the sense how it hurt Chester when people were commenting or it's how it's hurting Cornell's family when people are commenting. The way Axl Rose looks, the, fat, the quote fat Axl picture that he – I don't know if it's true. He wanted it off the internet. Or I don't even it's like true. when uh, I don't like what uh, American Dad did recently when they made fun of Axl Rose, uh, what his appearance yeah. is. So it, it's just – what you may be a throwaway comment to some, mm. like it's a funny joke. You never know what someone else is going through. So that's kind of the message yeah. I want to get. Uh, yeah, there's, get there's a fine line. I mean, like something like a TV show, like American Dad, that, that is comedy. But like when people are like, for example, like, um, like when that picture came out of Axel jogging or something like right before GNR reunited, everybody was making fun of them calling him fat. And I remember at the time I didn't do that. You know, like, well, I will, I remember a couple months earlier, I did write about Slash's brother calling Axel fat, but that's my job. That was Slash's brother saying it. That was not that me. That wasn't you calling it's not my jo- Yeah. It's not my job to censor people's opinions. I, like I said, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that, that, you know, I, I report on quote wise, but I remember when that picture came out, like everybody was like making fun of them. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, he's, you know, he's working. I look at it like, damn, he's still alive, man. A lot of these guys are dying, man. I'm happy <laughs> Axel's still around. I could care less if Axel weighed 500 pounds as long as it wasn't giving him diabetes. You know, he's physically healthy, Fair you know. Enough. But, um, but yeah, with Axel, I, I don't take – maybe when I was like a teenager or something, I was starting to say maybe I'd do some things. But at least as long as I've been an adult, I, I at least me, myself, I don't take shots at people's appearances, you know, like like I saw people, some people doing it about Darcy and stuff. It's like, man, Dar- I even told Darcy, Darcy, you're a survivor. You know, it's like people are ripping on looks or whatever. Man, she's 50 and she and she survived drugs and all that, you know. But uh, and, you know, Axel's a survivor, too, man, with that childhood and everything 
he's been through. Um, you know, that's not to defend all of his behavior. I think I think someone like Axel definitely open to criticism with some of his public behavior. But there's no reason to be like, oh, haha, Axel, you look fat. But um, one funny story though about the the infamous fat Axel meme pictures. Basically, Axel hired a company to send out not even really like hardcore legal notices, but like you know, takedown notices. And I did get it, but huge websites got them too. But um, I think it led to other sites just doing it more. So it may not have been the best idea on Axel's part mm. um, to, to have done that. But I mean, I understood. I, I took it down. You know, I mean, you know, you just ask me and I'll do it. I've, I've taken down a million stories that people don't know about just as people that, especially when it comes to the Chris Cornell thing, I've taken down a million things. Um, but one thing I've actually said without divulging any like conversations I've had with Vicky Cornell, one thing I've said is, man, if I were you, just avoid reading social media. And to Axel, I'd say the, the same thing. You know, if he's, if he's seen these pictures and stuff, man, you're worth a lot of money. You've got nice friends and family and stuff. Just avoid social media outside of the posts you make. You know, just don't look. If I was worth $100 million or $200 million, whatever Axel's worth, trust me, I would not be looking at comments on social media. You know, so I mean, it's, it's I wish true. people weren't nasty, but but I, w- I wish I, like people like Axel and stuff just wouldn't look. It'd be nice if people weren't nasty though, but unfortunately, that's just the way it is. I think you it's, just gotta it's shut it out. The human nature, just the way it is. But again, right. it just makes me think of you know the the connection between you know the platform that you have and just the culture that we mm-hmm. uh, have created around it. And of course, there are some wonderful mm-hmm. comments, and not every person mm-hmm. on there is a troll, but. Uh, right. You know, just along the lines of just, you know, depression and mental health. It just makes it still mm-hmm. makes me think about it because we see mm-hmm. now pictures of of Axel smiling and being happy. Right. So I think that's mm-hmm. it's 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 nice to see. It's still nice to see, but those uh people, especially when they spell Axel with an E, it's like what the fuck. I'll go on Alternative Nation with my uh, my Brando account and I'll. Mm-hmm. And I'll correct them, like the the grammar. Yeah, they don't even know them. Are they are they thinking of Axel Foley from Beverly Hills? I know. Yeah. I'm the GNR grammar Nazi. I mean, it's three letters. Yeah. Come on, get it right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, I I gotta again just thank you for you know coming on, and I know that you're you're starting to build this podcast network. Uh, the AFD mm-hmm. show is the second podcast now on mm-hmm. the the mm-hmm. podcast tabs on AltNation.net. Alternative Nation mm-hmm. that I want to mm-hmm. uh, get it right. So, what do you uh, what are you looking to do? What are you looking to to build? Like, what's are you are you is are you happy with where the status of Alternative Nation? What are you looking to accomplish? What like what do you want? Uh, going forward? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm never happy. Always looking to do more. But yeah, I want some more podcasts. You know, that that'll take some time. But I definitely want some podcasts on the site. Um, another, another thing I want to do is I want to have. Um, you know, we do some things where we help out some, uh, you know, unknown, unsigned artists with promotional stuff. And, um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, it's a business. And um, I, I want to expand that. I want to have something where artists can buy services from uh, not just Alternation, the website, but from me, the staff, um, you know, and, and the talents, you know, the staff. Um, I want to do something like that, especially with this uh, tech monopoly. I want to have something that's... Uh, its own independent thing. So that's something I'm, I'm definitely uh, been thinking about for the last few months. And I've, I've got some cool, you know, ideas for that. Um, definitely want to do some merchandise at some point. I've always put that off. One thing though, is I don't think the shirts will say alternative nation. This is like, I, I mean, who really wants to wear a t-shirt of the site? So it'll be stuff that like nineties music fans will be into. Um, 
But yeah, there's just so many things, man. I, I, I micromanage so much, but um, those are definitely things that are on the docket. Uh, for the rest of 2018. I look forward to it. Keep me in the loop because uh, I, I really appreciate how you've you've helped me out and how you've treated me. Mm-hmm. I, I tell people, and, and forgive me if I hadn't mentioned it on the air uh, yet, but like the Tommy Stinson interview that I did and you transcribed part of it, I was like, you know, mm-hmm. can you just do me a favor and Tommy a favor? Can you just put part mm-hmm. of you know uh, his charity event, which was super regional, you know, upstate New mm-hmm. York, and you're like, yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. Even blink at that's another, yeah, that's another thing. I'd like to do more charitable things, especially like we talked about ideas and maybe like some sort of either mental health podcast or like support network. But I want yeah. to do um, more charitable things. So the site kind of disappoints me. I don't get many emails from people with with charities. You know, I, I promote mental health ones, and when I see ones that bands promote that I like, that um, like Pearl Jam do one uh, called Healy B. It's like this rare skin disease that kids get. Um, you know, I was like posting stuff about that, but yeah, if anybody listening knows of any great charities or charitable causes, let me know that I'd like to have more stuff like that. Um, you know, if anybody has ideas for, you know, mental health support stuff, you know, I promote some stuff, but we could really, uh, do something that would be great. So, so definitely charitable causes is, is another thing I'd like to do, um, on the site this year. I know, um, cause it's on topic, uh, Russ TCB, mm-hmm. uh, from my JNR mm-hmm. forum, when he came on, he was going mm-hmm. to a, uh, a suck it suicide uh, event. I believe they have different. Uh, I love that. That ties in wrestling too. I, I love that name. Yeah. So I I just want to have at least an opportunity organically to be able to just bring them up because mm-hmm. if that's another mm-hmm. outlet that could potentially help at least one person. But you may want to mm-hmm. reach out to because I've seen him mention it, that, and that's Ricky Rackman, mm-hmm. a former guest of ours, right? About mm-hmm. uh, doing a. Mm-hmm. I know he wants to do a podcast or build like a cat house podcast network. But I yeah. know he's big uh, on mental, mental health. health. Yeah, would be great. But yeah, that, that would be great. I think, yeah. I think something where it was like fans could come on, but also musicians too. Like like Dave Navarro has been really open this year. But it's something where people can just talk about and there being no stigma and that just being the focus. I think I think it'd be really cool. I think it would be amazing. And if there was mm-hmm. an opportunity to be a part of it, you know I would be in. Because mm-hmm. I talk about right. you know my, my issues all the time. And I do get messages mm-hmm. from people who are – Primarily here to listen to about to gun, about Guns mm-hmm. N' Roses stuff. Say, you know, I really appreciate mm-hmm. you sharing. Yeah, I think even a start could be we're just, we're just kind of brainstorming on Eric here, but I think a start maybe could just um, maybe like a special, you know, on Appetite for Distortion, and then I would do it, you know, and then maybe see see where that goes and see if the people you know involved in that then you know want to do something that is its own thing, you know. Like, I, we'll just have to see. I think if we because I've gone that route in conversations with with certain people mm-hmm. and. Especially the ones who were involved with uh, with West Arkeen, they, they mm-hmm. seem to really still be hit by that loss. And um, mm-hmm. I forget who uh, who it was from from the outpatients with West that said uh, he had to go to therapy for years before he can even talk about that band. Uh, so I mean, it's just hard for me. I mean, unless obviously we talk about it beforehand. Let's focus mm-hmm. on the mental health aspect mm-hmm. Gre- yeah greg buckwalter uh he's like i was in therapy for years i couldn't talk about this stuff uh so mm-hmm. you know if anyone has any ideas but if if i was able to sit down with a, a, a g for our purposes here for afd mm-hmm. show somebody who had like a mm-hmm. gnr tie and yeah i have right. to talk about you know what was your, what were your recipes to the fight you know and get to your your place and i have no no problem being open about my stuff and i find that's mm-hmm. that's what's helped me uh, when people are candid and open about their suffering, because that way you feel like you're never alone. Because we're all, 
we all have something. We're all fighting something. So to think you're immune mm-hmm. to it is just not is just not accurate. So uh, I mean, I'm assuming everybody knows where to follow you, <laughs> alternativenation.net uh, on Facebook. Obviously, the website itself at altnation. Uh, what, what's the Twitter handle? Net. It's yeah, just... it's at altnation. Net. Some people get us okay. confused with with altnation, the, the serious XM station, but we are completely separate. I have nothing to do with them. I only have that is the handles on social media because alternative nation is too long, but the Instagram is alternative nation official because on Instagram, you can have it as long as you want, but yeah, we are alternative nation, not alt nation. That's the, uh, serious XM station. And you also run uh, desperate times, nineties music podcast on Facebook, right? It's a ton uh, of likes. Yeah. 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 I run that page. Um, and another example though, I mean, even though the post still gets seen by, you know, a lot of people and still helps the site, the reach has gone down on that. And uh, I mean, every Facebook page that I'm even like, there's other pages I'm a manager on, even I don't run that like good followings, but yeah, Facebook have definitely limited uh, the reach on stuff. And that's, I'm happy to have the the followings that I do on the ones I do uh, because they're not growing on, on a lot, you know, of anybody's uh, anytime soon until the tech monopoly is broken up. Well, I wish you luck. And, you know, I had mentioned desperate times because, uh, through you, I was able to set up interviews uh, both in studio. Yeah, we've done it. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. We've done a couple, but we'll see in the future. Um, you know, with, with that, just if like certain interviews come up, I, you know, I don't have the time to like micromanage stuff like that. So it's just like if a if an opportunity comes up, you know, uh, either something like that, or just like if we start, you know, the mental health podcast, just all about opportunities that come up. But um, everybody go to alternativenation.net, um, you know, check out the stories and the podcast. And if, like I said, any ideas for, podcasts or charity mental health you know just just let brandon and i know yeah and that's where the interviews uh both in the studio because they both happen to be at iheart uh with mm-hmm. uh, sully from godsmack and david Lorry, mm-hmm. former manager of, of of jeff buckley so yeah that, an... that buckley one was really good it's like Bu- buckley's very under appreciated and his story isn't really told as much because i mean like he died after only making one studio album so he's one of those un- underrated guys you know but um but, but yeah. Well, that's why I appreciated doing that interview because it's like what mm-hmm. I like this this podcast to be. You know, you're mm-hmm. in this somebody underappreciated. I'm like, yeah, obviously I would mm-hmm. love to get Axel and Slash on here, but right. I like I but like the people are interested in hearing too. There's like a, an example for me would be I interviewed Corey Hickok, uh, who was Scott Wilde's best friend, and he's actually the guitarist in the early incarnation of FTP, uh, Mighty Joe Young, before Dean DeLeo came in, and I and he's uh, not super famous, but that's one of my favorite interviews I ever done. He, he lives in Huntington Beach, so I, I you know so I lived close to him, so I got to go to his house. I talked to him for like five hours. At his house, it's one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. He's not super famous, but he just had a great story to tell, you know. And and to me, interviews are are less about, yeah, are are less about who it is. It's about the stories. Like, when I interviewed Darcy, that's the only interview I've done, like, the last year and a half. I did that because I knew she had a story to tell, man, and she did. And, you know, she's, she's, you know, really brave. And she's self-admitted. She deals with a lot of, you know, stuff. She even said, oh, I can be crazy sometimes. But, you know, Darcy's a really cool uh, cool woman, and, and she had quite a story to tell. And then, good for you for reaching out, and you know, mm-hmm. I, I I know you 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 fought hard to make that reunion happen. Uh, in, oh in yeah, it sucks. I, I wish it still would. Not even just like musically, but just having gotten to know Darcy a bit. For I haven't talked to her in a couple months, but I'm sure we'll touch base again at some point. You know, I don't I don't want her to think about the pumpkins. That's why I haven't texted her in a couple months. But we talked pretty frequently for a few months. And um and I wanted it to happen even after the big falling out. More than anything, just for her personally. 
Like, even if it was just brief, just so she could have good personal closure with them, you know, just after, you know, getting to know her a well, bit. How you may feel about Adler, the same thing, you know? Just yeah, yeah, Adler got his closure. You know, even though he's not in the band now, and, and we all want him back in the band, but at least he, he got that closure. And, and you can tell in interviews, he got a sense of personal closure from doing those shows. And that's what I, that's what I like. And I think rock needs mm-hmm. more of that, you know, these... these mm-hmm. You know these these mended fences. I think a rock is too mm-hmm. devices and too divisive, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes you see that fall out in the comments section of you mm-hmm. and many other sites. Just how divisive mm-hmm. the rock world is. I gotta I gotta admit I don't read the comments on my site a lot unless it's something I'm good interested for you. in. Uh, what'd you say? I said good for you. Uh, yeah, I mean I don't read them unless it's something that I'm interested in or what. It's like I mean I just you know yeah I don't I don't need to see that all the time. No, it's not worth it. I mean, me, it's different because this, this, not site, but the show was me. I'm the show, uh, so I'm. It's only me working on it, so I will be responsive. So, uh, of course, you can follow the AFD show on AlternativeNation.net. It's featured on there. Uh, Brett, this is this is cool, man. Obviously, we're gonna talk uh, off the air, but just I'm glad yet you came on, and hopefully, uh, some people see you in a, in a different light. And, and know that, you know, you are not the evil empire. And, and if not, hopefully. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. You're uh, just a rock fan who's been doing it since you were a kid. And I really do admire mm-hmm. that because when I'm, I was 11, I don't know, man. I, I was watching cartoons. I don't know if I was still sucking my thumb. I, no, I sucked my thumb until I was eight years old. But I was not too far removed from my sucking my thumb phase. And you are mm-hmm. building a website and creating podcasting before it's podcasting. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. You're you're the Doogie Hauser of uh, of rock media. How about <laughs> does that work a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. <laughs> so Brett, you're always uh, obviously you're you're always welcome on since you're uh, uh, the quote unquote official unofficial sponsor of the show, and you can always be a co-host. So if you do want to do interviews and know they're time consuming. Uh, you're mm-hmm. you're always welcome back, and we can interview, you know, as long as it has that six degrees of GNR bacon, um, you know, mm-hmm. I'll make it work. Mm-hmm. Right on. I'm sure you have plenty of things to do today, so I will bid you adieu, and uh, we'll talk soon, man. All right, later, man. Bye. Thanks. Bye. So there he goes, Brad Buchanan, AlternativeNation.net. Did your opinion of him change? Did it not change? I don't care either way because you're allowed to have your opinion. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, but just know uh, any article that he puts up that features Appetite for Distortion, you know it's going to be real because my interviews are real. And I hope to continue to talk about uh, anything that just stems from Guns N' Roses. Look at all the places we go, and it all roots back to the Guns N' Roses. And that's all thanks to you that you – you somehow like what I'm doing, and it's really appreciated. So in addition to being an, uh, up on Alt, uh, Alt Nation on their podcast, uh, podcast tab on their website, of course, the iHeartRadio app on Spreaker, on Stitcher, uh, iTunes maybe, uh, SoundCloud, uh, working on that YouTube channel, and of course on Facebook and on Twitter, uh, and just tell people about us. Recommend us uh, on, on Facebook with this little uh, you know, five-star thing. And you can put a little blurb on there while you like us. It would be really appreciated. Uh, thanks to a uh, former former uh, guest slash co-host and current producer for At Nice with Alice Cooper, uh, Catherine Terman. She she gave us five stars. 
Why would you give anything less than what Catherine gave? She wrote a book on metal. She knows what she's talking about. So give us some five stars and tell your friends about us. If your friends listen to podcasts, as podcasts become more and more popular, say, you know what? There's this guy, Brando. He has this Guns N' Roses podcast. And chances are your friends aren't as big into GNR as you are and, and, and me because they're not as cool, for one. But that's okay because look at all the other things that we talk about. So, you know what? Give it a chance. Listen, this is a good podcast because the more people listen, the more episodes we can do. And who knows where this can go? Maybe one day the AFD show could be every day and we'll replace your, your crappy local morning radio show. Wouldn't that be cool to have more and more content about Guns N' Roses replacing whatever is out there for you that you have to be subjected to through all the commercials, the same music you hear all the time, or podcasts that don't don't have good sound quality or, or bad guests, that we have this one, and it, and it revolves around GNR? I think it's perfect. So spread the word. So until the next episode of the AFD show. In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, when are you going to see it? I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.